Well, guys, if you would, be turning in your Bibles or turning on your Bibles, whichever you have, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm excited for uh, our study today. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how sometimes we tend to see a problem in Christianity and we kind of overcorrect. We, we steer a little too far the other way. And one of the examples that I gave you a couple of weeks ago is sometimes we'll see a faith healer who is a, a charlatan who preys on people who are in distress and then he'll claim to have a gift of God that he won't actually have and then he will take advantage of people. And we see that kind of thing and that's heartbreaking to us. So what we do is we oversteer to the point that we ignore clear biblical passages like in James where it says, hey, if you are sick and you're suffering, go to the elders and gather them and get them to pray for you and anoint you with oil. And so we don't want to overcorrect when we see a problem. We just want to get back in the lane. One thing that many Baptists shy away from talking or thinking very much about is the Holy Spirit and the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church. Now, the Holy Spirit's role is to shine the spotlight on Jesus. So I'm not saying that we should uh, become enamored with the Spirit. I'm not saying that that should overtake everything we do. But I am saying that a proper understanding of the Holy Spirit is important to us. Our passage is going to begin with Paul saying, Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So we don't want to be uninformed. Now, I hope that through our study of 1 Corinthians so far, we've done 11 chapters, and I hope that you're seeing a pattern in this book. Now, these Corinthians, um, they had selfishness and pride causing a lot of problems. You know, they were interested in what they could do, what they could get away with, how they could have their preferences met, instead of saying, hey, I need to limit my freedoms for the sake of my brothers and sisters. That was a new concept for them that Paul is trying over and over to get across to them. And I hope you're picking up on that as we go through this book. Paul is telling them to limit their freedoms for the sake of their brethren. Instead of everyone arguing over preferences, what would happen in a really healthy church is that we should be trying to figure out how to best honor Christ and carry out the Great Commission. That's what we need to be worrying about. So when we face a question, any, any kind of question, we need to ask what option would honor Christ best and advance the mission, period. You know, we might talk about what kind of songs should we sing, Jimmy? Well, the songs we should sing are those that honor Christ and best to help us carry out the mission. Now, that's a good answer, but what song does it mean? Well, <laughs> that's a little harder to figure out, right? Because we have to look at, well, does music have anything to do with drawing young families into the church? It has something to do with it, so we need to look at that and think about it. Um, do you want to have music that is foreign to and unrelatable to the mass of the congregation? Certainly not, because the point of music and the point of the worship time and the service is that we all gather for corporate, you know, corporate bodily worship. We sing together to honor God. So I'm not saying it's an easy answer, but I am saying when we face any question, if we approach it by saying what most honors Christ and what helps us advance our mission, then that'll promote a whole lot of unity. 
And then we can discuss the finer points. Another question would be, what programs should we spend our resources on? You know, we have a limited number of dollars, and we have a limited amount of manpower. And so when we take those resources, how do we spend them? What programs do we spend them on? What pursuits do we go after? Well, we go after the ones that honor Christ the most and that help us advance the Great Commission, right? The ministry team that we will elect on the 23rd will help make those decisions. So this is an important thing that's coming up. We need to elect our most spiritually minded, best, and brightest to that team. They will then advise me and help me to lead this church the right way. Uh, I have a certain perspective that I come from, and uh, it's, there's nothing bad about the perspective I come from, but I was reared in church. Uh, I was reared in the South. Um, I'm a male who's 47 years old, and all these things are my perspective, right? Go into how I see the world. And this ministry advisory team will have different perspectives that will help us to make more wise decisions. So let's talk today about spiritual gifts. I want to understand their source, their purpose, and then I want to talk about some of the gifts. Let's start in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. All right, let's pray together before we continue our study. Lord, I would ask, uh, as Catherine has already prayed, that the Holy Spirit would be here today to show us what Your Word says, to teach us. Uh, Lord, we, we understand from the Scripture that that his, his role is to point us to the Son, and we ask that you would do that through our study today. Lord, we want to see, uh, I want to help us see today what I have seen this week, and that is that you give gifts to individuals in the body for the edification of the body. So Lord, I pray that we would see that clearly today in Scripture, And then, Lord, that you would move us to use our gifts in the service of the body. Father, we pray this for your sake. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, he seems to be addressing a specific question that the Corinthians had. If you'll recall, we've been talking about the Corinthians had sent him a letter 
and he was answering that letter. And so really what we're doing is we're listening to one side of a conversation. So we sort of have to fill in some of the blanks. But he apparently was asked a question about this that he is addressing. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Verse 2 says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. The pagan Corinthians thought it was very spiritual to be carried away and lose yourself in worship. Now, I'm not talking about passionate, exuberant, spirit-filled worship where you're thinking, where your mind is engaged, and your passion for God is, is aflame. We need that. We need that. We need all that we can get. What I am talking about is when you, they would work themselves into such a lather that they no longer were, were thinking. They were just excited about being excited and excited about being excited with other people. Okay? I think today we see that kind of thing when we see church services where um, Benny Hinn, for example, will look like he's you know, shooting force lightning out like the emperor did and these guys will fall over. What makes them fall over? You know, I don't know. Is it because there is a lot of psychological pressure in that kind of environment? I, I think that's probably the case. And so these Corinthians would, would get themselves all worked up and do weird things, and they thought that was the height of proper worship. So Paul is having to correct them and say, no, when your mind is definitely supposed to be engaged in worship. Now, so are your passions. I don't want to say that we should sit there studiously unmoved. I mean, when we sang that first song, I had tears going on, okay, because we were singing about, uh, you know, there in the tomb lay his body, and, and it began to breathe, and the, the lion declared, There's, uh, the grave has no hold on me. When you sing things like that, and I think about my risen Savior, I'm going to be excited, and I'm going to well up with tears, and I'm going to sing passionately. All right, so that is good. That's good worship. But when you just get so excited that you don't know what you're thinking or where you're going, that's a different kind of thing. And Paul says, that's not what we need. Verse 3 says, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now he's not saying that no one can utter those words without the help of the Spirit. He means that no one can say it and mean it in the sense that he submits himself to Jesus as Lord. You could give somebody a script and say, read these words, and they can say, Jesus is Lord, right? And they could do that without the help of the Holy Spirit. But when they decide that Jesus is their Lord and they will submit to Jesus and now he is the ruler, he's the master, he's the one, he's the boss and they no longer are, when they've turned over their life to Christ, that can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what is this, what is this business about saying uh, Jesus is accursed? I mean, surely no Christian would say that, right? Well, some of the Christians in Corinth may have been saying that. Uh, there's an ancient heresy about Jesus that denies his humanity. It may have infiltrated this church, and they may have been saying that, that while the second person of the Trinity is blessed, uh, the man, Jesus, was possessed by the second person of the Trinity between his baptism and his crucifixion. And uh, this, this weird heresy said that the Spirit of God left the man, Jesus, before his crucifixion. 
Now, not only is that not at all taught in Scripture, but it, it ruins uh, the whole concept of the atonement. <laughs> if a man died for me who was just a man, right? Because a, a regular old man dying for me, he couldn't die for me and you and everybody else, right? So it's a heresy and it's a foolish heresy. But it's interesting that the first heresy about Jesus that we can find was not that he was not God. It was that he was not man. (laughs) So they didn't deny his deity. They denied his humanity. So considering this weird heresy that was going on, they may have actually been saying while they were doing their worship thing and becoming ecstatic and freaked out, they might have said Jesus is accursed. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Let me correct that. That's ridiculous. All right, we're going to look at spiritual gifts, like I told you, and we're going to first look at their source. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the source of spiritual gifts. Look with me in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. That's referring to the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And Lord there is referring to Jesus. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So we see right there the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Scripture. We should take note whenever we see the Trinity mentioned in Scripture, because some will say that the Trinity is not there and that that's an invention of the church. Um, and, And they'll say the word Trinity isn't even in the Bible. And that's true, the word Trinity isn't there, but we see the Trinity right there, and we see the Trinity at Jesus' baptism in different places. So when it is there, I want to point it out so that we can say, okay, these guys didn't make this up, it's in Scripture. Now, let me ask you, who decides which spiritual gift you're going to get? I mean, if we got to pick, uh, some of, one of them says working miracles. That's a cool one, right? I might sign up for that one, that's a good one. So who decides who gets what spiritual gift? Well, verse 11 tells us, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So we don't get to pick how we are spiritually gifted. God, in His sovereignty and His perfect decision-making and His perfect will over how He wants to put together His church, He decides how to gift each individual member. And let's trust that he knows what he's doing. Amen. All right. Jesus manifested all of the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to look at a list later on of some various gifts. And Jesus manifested every single one of them. Like there's teaching. All right. He was the greatest teacher. Uh, There's faith. Nobody had faith like Jesus. I mean, there every single spiritual gift Jesus had completely. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you... Sitting there, are you personally going to manifest every gift of the Holy Spirit? I I seriously doubt it, all right? But if you'll stay with me here for a second, we as the body of Christ now can together manifest every single gift of the Spirit. See, Jesus in one man at one time manifested the whole gifting of the Spirit. But you and I can't individually do that. But when we gather together, God can assemble a body that can indeed manifest every single gift of the Spirit. 
It takes us working together and serving together for that to actually happen. Now let's look at the purpose of the gifts. Now here is the, here is the crux of the sermon. Here is the main point. So if you're asleep, nudge, nudge your neighbor who's asleep and let's look. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. This is the key. Now we're going to see how this continues the theme of 1 Corinthians. What is Paul talking about? He's saying, um, you know, you guys are suing each other. That's ridiculous. When you sue each other and you take your cases to court, you've already lost because you're defaming the church. Don't do that. It's, it's better to suffer wrong than to take your brother to court, right? We learned about that in the early chapters. Uh, when he talks about meat sacrifice to idols, he says, look, guys, don't worry about getting you some discount meat. Uh, worry about offending your brother and causing him to sin, right? And we talked about how that principle of it's not about you, it's about blessing your brother. Well, it's the same thing here uh, because he says each manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So it's not for you to build yourself up. It is for the common good of the body of believers. Sometimes I hear people say, I don't need to go to church because I can worship God in my deer stand, right? Now, I'm all for worshiping God in a deer stand. Uh, I, I have never killed a deer. I have gone to hunt deer three times and frozen to death. And one time, I guess I'm too nerdy to kill deer because one time I sat there and read uh, an R.C. Sproul book. Uh, so, you know, I'm just not made for it, I guess. Um, I'll see squirrels, and I'll hear elephants, it sounds like, and then I'll see a little squirrel, and I'll go, man, I don't know what an actual deer sounds like, but if a squirrel sounds like an elephant, it must sound like a train coming through. Anyway, so I've, I've sat out in the woods, but I'm no expert on deer hunting. But when people tell me I can worship God in my deer stand, that's what I was doing when I was reading The Consequences of Ideas by R.C. Sproul. I was worshiping God. Now, the problem is, don't do it on Sunday morning, because the gifts are given to us to benefit the body. I mean, that's clear as day right here. And who are you going to use your spiritual giftedness to bless if you're out in the middle of the woods? The squirrels in the tree with you? I mean, that's not what we're designed to do. We're designed to be gifted by the Spirit to come together to bless and build up the body. Now, I would imagine that some of you wonder why I am so enthusiastic about small groups. This is why. Uh, small groups is not a thing that was assigned to me at some point and, and somebody said, hey, I want you to implement this and I want you to become a believer and, and back it. I became a believer in small groups because I saw scripture like this that said we need to get together, we need to work together, and we need to manifest the gifts of the body together. Now today, um, I believe the Lord has gifted me to teach and to preach, not it's not an arrogant thing. I, I don't think he's gifted me like he has J.D. Greer or somebody, but he has called me to do it, and then he's gifted me to do it. And so I'm able to manifest the gift of the Spirit while we gather together. But you guys are, are sitting there listening, right? You're not manifesting the gifts of the Spirit. That's why I want you to get in a small group so you can manifest those gifts, and we can learn from your wisdom, and we can benefit from you. And cross-pollination happens. You can benefit from other people. Now, I hope that it is to your benefit that I get up here and preach on Sunday morning. And if it is, praise God for that. Um, 
you know, I want to help you learn to think correctly, think like a disciple of Christ, so that that thinking like a disciple of Christ can lead to living like a disciple of Christ, and so that as we study the Scripture together, you can think more rightly than you did before, and then you can act more rightly and in accordance with what God would have you do. Uh, So I want you to take your spiritual gift and bless the church as well. Now let me ask you, who are you currently uh, benefiting from your spiritual gift? Who currently benefits from your spiritual gift? Well, if you just come on Sunday and, and you sit here and you sing and you go home, that's great. We want corporate worship. Corporate worship's a big deal. It's something that's prescribed in Scripture. We are supposed to gather together uh, to be edified by the Word and to offer our praise together to God. But... On Sunday morning, if all you do is walk into the service and sit and then leave and we don't see you again until next Sunday, I'm asking you, how are your spiritual gifts blessing the body? Instead, become involved. Get involved with a Sunday school or get involved with a small group. Get involved when we have service opportunities. And that way, the manifestation of the Spirit that is in you can be a blessing to the rest of us. It's not supposed to work like God gives you a blessing and you part of the body and you don't function in that role. Um, You you know, we need the whole body to work together. Uh, I have never seen my kidneys, but a couple of years ago when they weren't working very well, I got really, really, really sick, right? And so whatever role God has placed you in as he assembled you in this body that we call West Laurel Baptist Church, you need to be functioning in that role. So join a small group, get to know those people really well, love them, and exercise your spiritual gift to bless them. Now let me ask you, do you know what your spiritual gift is? Um, I I would venture to say it doesn't really matter. I don't care if you know what name you want to give to your spiritual gift or gifts. Uh, What you need to do is walk in submission to the Spirit and serve and participate in the body. And then looking back in 10 years, you may be going, huh, it looks as if I have this, uh, the gift of so-and-so. And you can put a name on it then. It doesn't matter. Don't sit at home saying, you know, I don't know about all the spiritual giftedness stuff. I don't know if I have a gift of the Spirit. I guess until I figure it out, I'm just going to sit on the sideline. Don't, don't do that. I don't care if you know a name for your spiritual gift. What I care about is that you engage with the body to build up the body. Is there an exhaustive list, list of gifts in the Bible? I don't think there is, but there are some lists, and we can take a look at them. Now, Paul never sat out to say, hey, here are all the spiritual gifts in order by importance. I mean, he never did that. He mentioned some of them in 1 Corinthians. He mentioned some of them in Romans. And I don't think altogether it's even an exhaustive list, but we can take a look at some of them and see what they are. Let's look in verse 8 of our scripture today. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Now, uh, I can't give you a perfect definition of these, but I've, I've looked, I've read, I've meditated on it, I've read commentaries on it. What I would suggest the utterance of wisdom is taking biblical knowledge and being able to apply it correctly to life. So uh, when I'm up here on Sundays, I try to 
discern what the Bible says, but then I also try to give you ways that you can apply it to your life. But you have to take it after that. You have to take that handoff, and then you have to actually go, okay, in my life, in my day-to-day, here is what I am going to take and put that into practice and make it look like. Uh, I can give you general application, but only you can say, I'm going to take that, and here's what difference it's going to make in my life starting this afternoon. Only you can do that, and that is perhaps wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the Spirit. And again, that's those facts and those, those things that we can get out of Scripture where we can then apply them. Verse 9 says, to another, faith by the same Spirit. Now, you may say, wait a minute, you can't even be a believer if you don't have faith. And that's true. You can't come to Christ unless you come by faith. But this special, <coughs> pardon me, this special gifting of the Spirit is faith above and beyond. And we may need that as a body. Sometimes there may be something that we say, okay, should we do this? Should we go after this big ambitious goal? And we may need your special gift of faith to come alongside us and say, yes, this is what the Lord wants. We can do this. Let's go. Now, again, faith is not just, just thinking positively. Don't, don't get that idea, though. Faith is taking what God has said and then believing it wholeheartedly. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. So sometimes the Lord will heal miraculously. I have seen this happen one time. Uh, the elders at, at First Baptist Church, where I came from in Horn Lake, Mississippi, we got together uh, with this guy who was going to have this big surgery on some, he had vascular problems and he had circulation in his leg and they were going to amputate his leg the next day. And he called the elders and he asked us to come and anoint him with oil and pray for him. We did. Well, the next day, uh, his surgeon came in and said, I couldn't sleep last night. I didn't get any sleep. I was thinking about this surgery. And I called my dad, and his dad was this vascular surgeon in Florida. And he said, we talked about your case, and I just don't feel like we should amputate that leg. Um, They checked his leg, and he had blood circulating just fine all the way through that leg. And that was years ago, and he's still fine today and still has that leg. Now, the Lord doesn't often do healing like that, but I had the benefit of seeing it actually happen one time. And so sometimes, for some seasons, for some purpose beyond us, God will give that gift of healing. To another, working of miracles. Now, that sounds like a cool one. I don't know what that is. Um, That may have been like when uh, Ananias and Sapphira were talking to uh, the church, and, and they said, hey, you know, the the people that buried your husband are, are coming back in. They're going to bury you. Um, that may have been that kind of miraculous thing where that person was taken out. I don't know. To another prophecy. Now, prophecy can definitely mean I'm speaking today about something that's going to happen next year. Right? We see that in the Bible. But it can also mean just the foretelling of, of the Word of God. And if that's what it means, then everyone who gets to preach is, is engaging in that gift of prophecy. Now, I don't really think, uh, I could be wrong here. God can do whatever he wants to do. You understand? (laughs) If God wanted to give us uh, a word about what's going to happen next year, he could do that. He's God. He's not limited. Uh, I don't think he currently does that because we have the canon of Scripture. And if somebody came to me and said, hey, I have a word from God, I would want to know 
does it agree with what the Bible says? And if it does, well, we don't really need it, right? Because we already have the Bible. And if it doesn't agree with what the Bible says, then it couldn't possibly be from the Holy Spirit, right? So I don't think prophecy in that sense is active anymore. The ability to distinguish between spirits. You know, that discernment that some people have that seems supernatural. To another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Let's look down in verse 28. Now, Tongues is at least, maybe more than this, but at least being able to speak a language that you are not familiar with. Uh, When I started taking Greek, I said, Lord, if you would see fit to give me the the gift of tongues with biblical Greek, I would appreciate it tremendously. He didn't do that, so I had to study. Uh, But if we're, um, you know, if Catherine were to go with Brother Don to Zimbabwe, uh, this, or no, not Zimbabwe, what is it? And Tanzania, Tanzania this fall, and all of a sudden she could speak the language, that would be a miraculous gift of tongues. She would be able to communicate with those people in a way that they could understand. So verse 28 in 1 Corinthians 12, if you'll jump down the page there, it says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. All of those things we can see, you know, the apostles are a group of folks that are not here today. Sometimes people will call themselves uh, apostles so-and-so. Uh, apostles, to me, means the guys that, that Jesus said, hey, you guys that have seen me, witnessed my miracles, hung out with me for the past years, are the apostles. We don't have them anymore. Second, prophets. And again, you can say we have those if those are people who tell forth the word of God. Teachers. Then miracles, healing, helping. Helping is a great one. (laughs) I don't think helping is one of the most um, flamboyant of the gifts, but it is sure one of the most necessary of the gifts, right? Uh, Encouragement. Man, if encouragement is one, then I would pray, if I got to pick, that you all have the gift of encouragement, right? (laughs) We love to be encouraged. Administrating. Ooh, that's a great gift. And we benefit from people who will come and help us administer the business of the church. Uh, let's look real quick in Romans 12, and I just want to show you a few more of the gifts that are listed there. Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. We talked about prophecy. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching... The one who exhorts in his exhortation. You know what exhorting is? Exhortation is when I get up here and I not just teach you something, but I try to get you to do something. (laughs) If I'm trying to get you to take an action step, I am exhorting you to do the following thing. The one who contributes in generosity. All right. Now, I love this one because sometimes if people don't want to tie this, I don't think I have the gift of uh, giving. (laughs) Okay. Well, Giving is not something that we're not supposed to do if we don't feel particularly gifted. We are all to support the work of ministry, right? But then some people are just amazingly gifted to give over and above and tremendously to make a huge impact on the work of the church. And the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. All right, so what do we do about what we heard today? We heard the source, right? The source of spiritual gifts is God. And he's the one that chooses to give them to whoever he wants to give them to. 
And then he builds his church. He takes you and he puts you, if you're a member of West Laurel Baptist Church, in West Laurel Baptist Church to use specifically your gift for the edification of the body. Then we looked not only at the source, but at the purpose. And the purpose is in verse 7, and it says to build up the body. So we need to see today, was Scripture faithfully exposed, okay? If I said what the Bible says, then you say, okay, I'm going on down to the second question. Was Scripture faithfully applied? So when I say that over here in verse 7... It says, to each of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If I am correct in saying that that is the key to this verse, and that what it means is Paul is saying, you, whoever you are, if you're in here and you're saved, your job is to jump in with both feet and serve in the church. You're to be in the things that we, are, we have, right? We operate by small groups, therefore get in a small group and be part of ministering to each other. So if I'm correct and faithfully apply the scripture, then you go down to the third question, which is simply, will I obey or will I disobey the scriptural teaching? Guys, we need to see that that's an option. <laughs> we need to see that that's an option. Because sometimes what we'll do is we'll, we'll listen to the preacher and then we'll go home and eat lunch and take a nap and, oh, it's gone, right? We don't have to deal with it anymore because we've forgotten about it. But really... Uh, like we were talking about the other week where we need to set up some trash cans at the back, you can either say, all right, I'm going to take this and I'm going to go, okay, this does matter. This is actually the Word of God being said to me. I am responsible for the gift of the Spirit. I'm a steward of the gift of the Spirit that He's given to me. And it's my job to take that and use that to build up the church. And you either take that and you apply it, or you say, nah, I'm going to act like I didn't hear that. And you toss it, right? Um, I can't force you to do one or the other. But what I can say is you are confronted with that choice. And you've got to decide. Am I going to show up uh, every few Sundays and sit and do nothing? Or am I going to dive in and be a vital, vibrant part of this church? Now, if you have a health concern and you just can't be here, I'm not picking on you. You know that. You know me by now. But if you're able to be here and to dive in, do so, because otherwise you will squander this gift that the Spirit has bestowed on you and put you in this church for. Now, if you're here today and you say, man, I don't think I have a spiritual gift, uh, then listen, let me tell you how it is that you can uh, be part of the family of God, be part of the faith. See, we are separated from God when we're in our sin. You know, God is our creator. He has the ability and the right to tell us what to do, when to do it. And he told our our first parents, hey guys, eat of this fruit, but there's this one tree I don't want you to eat of. And so what did they do? They said, well, now I don't think that's right. I'm going to take the word of a serpent rather than the word of my creator, and I'm going to rebel against him. Well, that has set off a long pattern of disobedience among us. And we ratify that decision every time that we sin. So we got a problem, a separation between us and God. God solved that problem in the person of Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus to live a perfect life and to die a death that he didn't deserve in our place. And by faith, what we can do is take all of our sin and put it on Christ's account who, will, who has paid for it on the cross. And he can take the righteousness of Christ, the perfection, the absolute obedience and credit that to our account 
Now, if you've never done that, don't leave here today without doing that. Because if you have questions about it or you say, you know, I don't think I've done that, but I, I need more understanding. That's okay, too. Just don't leave without considering this and starting that process. In a minute, we're going to get up and sing, and here's what we're going to do. If you want to join this church, you come down and you say, I'm going to be part of this body, and I'm going to dive in, and I'm going to work with you to further the kingdom. Or if you say, hey, I'm not sure that I uh, have been forgiven of my sins. I'm not sure that my sins are over here on Christ and that Christ's righteousness has, has been attributed to me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Come forth and we'll talk about it. Um, we're not going to push you into a decision. I'm just going to help you learn more about the gospel. And the third thing is, if you uh, have some prayer concern that you would like for me to pray with you about, it'd be my honor to do so. So let's stand together. What are we singing, brother? Beneath the cross.